Amen. Let me just uh, I'm gonna pray for Brother Tyler. He's working late tonight. And uh, pray that Lord will touch him and help me and Brother Chris. Brother Chris, thank you for stepping in and taking care of the sound and, and getting everything going. I appreciate that because I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm just trying to get my iPad turned on over here. This is what I'm doing here. And uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Thank the Lord for for that. I'll tell you what. You are needed in the church. It's good to be needed. And you you make yourself available to the Lord, and he will plug you in, and he'll use you in ways, and, and you just live a life that says yes to the Lord. And who knows where you'll find yourself. Uh, you might find yourself pastoring a church one day. And uh, a couple of announcements, all church prayer, Monday, May 3rd. That's 7 o'clock. That's already next Monday. That's already Next Monday, and then so praise. Oh, this is, I, I, I'm sorry. I meant to change the date. I forgot to change the date in my office. Excuse me. Just forgive me. Uh, I, I had a busy day today, too. Who, who, had a, who had a busy day today? And so, uh, but it's next Tuesday. That is May 4th. And so uh, that will be so praise at 615. And uh, so looking forward to that. And then also coming up on June 12th is the Northern Plains Regional Ladies Conference at in Brookings, uh, South Dakota. And that will be on Saturday, June 12th. And there's going to need a need to get a final headcount and registration by May 23rd. So ladies, uh, put that in your, in your uh, hairnet, I guess is what ladies would put that in. And uh, you can remember that there is a ladies... Um, meeting coming up in Brookings, and Sister Jindy will have more information on that, I'm sure. Uh, but we want to get that date out to you now so you can make plans for that on that Saturday. Amen. So we are going to turn in the, our Bibles to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. We're going to continue our series on the seven churches in Revelation. Tonight, I might group, I might group some next week, but tonight we're going to talk just about one church. And uh, I don't know how long we'll go. I don't think we'll be very long, but, but I don't know. I want the Lord to move. I will tell you, as I began to, uh, the last couple weeks, study this church, um, the Lord has convicted me. The Lord has challenged me. Uh, the Lord has smote me because we're going to be talking about the church in Smyrna. Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Jesus is not mentioning any words here. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And he that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. You have here on the slide, not in your handout, but on the screen, 
an artist's rendition of what Smyrna would have looked like. Smyrna is the modern-day city of Izmir, Turkey. Physically, it's a very beautiful city. It's set along the Mediterranean Sea, and it was a very pretty city. Matter of fact, some of the ancient poets said they could not find words enough to describe the beauty of Smyrna. It was a very wealthy city. Uh, material wealth was abounding in this city. Uh, due to its location and trade, it was a very uh, popular place to visit and to trade and making the inhabitants of the city very, very wealthy. The city of Smyrna enjoyed peace with its neighbors. They lived in a peaceful city, and uh, they didn't really have any known enemies. Uh, everyone just kind of liked the, to the, the Smyrnians, I guess you'd call them the Smyrnians. And um, they were a, a group that was a pretty tolerant group. The uh, people of Smyrna had a tolerance for all religions except Christians. They allowed any practice except Christians. Kind of sounds like the society we live in today. You, you can be tolerant of anything, but just not tolerant of, of Christians. And so they had no tolerance for the church. Now, again, as we get into this lesson, we have to identify what the church is. The church is that mystery that God unfolded and unveiled on the day of Pentecost in the upper room in Jerusalem. And the Holy Ghost fell. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Now, let me just clarify this. This is not part of the lesson. This is free. You don't have to put an offering in for this. I was reading, and someone was talking about what a miracle it was in Acts chapter 2 because it gave them the ability all to understand one language. And that's what the, 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 the gift of tongues at the Holy Ghost outpouring was. That's not true. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. That's Bible. That's Acts chapter 2. That's that foundation. Now, there is something called the gift of tongues. We read about that in Corinthians. The gift of tongues and the gift of the Holy Ghost are not the same thing. Not everybody who has the gift of the Holy Ghost will be used in the gift of tongues. But everybody that gets the Holy Ghost will speak in a new tongue. That is a sign to you that you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Why would that matter? Because James said that your tongue's an unruly member, no man can tame it. So it makes sense. Now, there are 17 different nations there that are hearing this, and they were astounded because they were saying, aren't not these all Galileans? And they're understanding them speak in their native tongue. It wasn't all these people. They were 17 different nations. So the one from Phrygia would hear somebody over here saying, that's a Phrygian tongue. And, and that's not spoken here as a trade language. These are all Galileans, and they're all probably speaking just Greek as a trade language, Koine Greek, and yet here they are speaking my language, where I'm from. And so they, that was odd. And, and then someone from another nation would hear somebody else speaking in tongues, and they're thinking, how are they? That would be like me. If I were speaking in tongues right now, and the Holy Ghost was, was falling on me, and I began to speak fluid Mandarin. I don't speak Mandarin. If I begin to speak fluent German, I don't speak German. If I begin, I think I've told the church the story, but it's a powerful story about the, the, the gentleman who was a, uh, separated from his family in Nazi Germany in Poland. 
and he was taken from his his parents, and he watched his brother and sister and mom and dad be killed by the Nazis, and he ran away from them as a young boy, and as he was fleeing from them, he fell into an ice-cold river, and as he's in the river fixing to drown and die, he there's a bright light, and hand pulls him out, and brings him up on the shore, and, and, and calls him by name, calls him Jacob, come and pulls him out on the shore, and he's sitting there, and he comes to later, and um, his, his life is, is saved. And he grows up, and he has a family of his own. Uh, he has a, gets married. He has children, and uh, he has grandchildren. He's an older man now, I think 80 or 90 years old by this time, still living uh, over in Europe somewhere. And his daughter attends an apostolic church in Louisiana, she, her granddaughter rather, and says, Grandpa, why don't you come and come to church with me? Come down and visit me. We'll take care of you. Come to church with me. And so he did. And this, this gentleman is, is sitting uh, in the back of the church next to his granddaughter. And there's a man that's worshiping the Lord, just, just worshiping Jesus and loving Jesus. And it's, it's song service. And this man begins to just speak in tongues like, like, like you hear in our church. People are speaking in tongues and they're worshiping the Lord. And this old man leaves his seat and makes his way down to the front of the church and kneels down and throws his hands up and begins to cry and to pray. And what happened was this man speaking in tongues, this man has no clue. He's just worshiping Jesus and the Lord is using him and he's speaking that old man's foreign tongue and he's saying Jacob it was me that pulled you out of the river the Lord is calling and drawing this man and the Lord fills that man with the Holy Ghost and that man began to speak in a new tongue that he had never been taught at 90 years old that's that's powerful let me tell you let me tell you how else powerful it is has anybody ever seen a deaf person receive the Holy Ghost I have and guess what a deaf person does when they get the Holy Ghost they begin to speak in new tongues you will speak in new tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance. That is how you know without a doubt you have the Holy Ghost. So that's the church where you built on that understanding of the Holy Ghost outpouring and are you built upon the understanding that there's one God and Jesus is that God. He looked at Peter and said, Thou art Peter upon this rock, the revelation of Peter come in saying, thou art the Christ. That is the church. So it's important for us to understand what the church is. Now, this remember the seven churches, they cover real places. Smyrna was a real city. You could visit Smyrna. John, the revelator, as he began to pen these words, knew this city. It's about two days uh, north of Ephesus by walking. And so he would have known this city, probably perhaps even visited this city. But not only does it represent a city that existed then, it's a type of a church that exists now, but it's also an era of the church age. Again, the church age is from the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, to the uh, fullness of the Gentiles when the rapture takes place and the church is gone. That's the, that's the church age. And so there's a, an era here. And this era would cover a period of great persecution until about 316 AD. This Smyrna would represent this. Now, to Christians, every person is valuable. If you're truly Christian, every person's valuable. Your neighbor's valuable, your enemy's valuable if you're Christian. If you're Christian, you love God and you love people. You understand that we, as human beings, have been made in the image of God. 
and we are precious in the sight of the Almighty. That's why we preach against abortion. We believe that life begins at conception. Now, thank God if you're here tonight and you've had an abortion in your life, which is, which is a sin, Jesus forgives sin. And he washes you from that, and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to carry that heavy burden. But the fact of the matter is we preach against murder. Unborn, born, young, old, we would preach against euthanasia. We'd preach against suicide. We would preach against these things because the value that's in life, that man became a living soul when God breathed into him the breath of life. It's very, very wonderful. Now, this is interesting because Christians stood up for everybody. Christians stood up for those that didn't stand up for them. And Christians, listen to this quote, values derived from Christianity have largely been responsible for the relative economic, personal, and political freedoms enjoyed in the West. Although Western civilization has, especially in the past century, drifted from its Christian roots on issues like the sanctity of life, the importance of work, the formation of the family, and the centrality of faith in public life, our culture is still more derivative of Christianity than any other world religion. That's William Bennett from his book, Trial by Fire. Now, 2011, there was a Harvard professor who wrote a book called Civilization, and it was a study in world global civilization. And he took a quote, and this quote was from a member of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. And this individual said that we have a study, 20-year study, trying to identify what is the dominant factor that makes Western civilization so successful. What makes America so great? So they began to look. And here's a quote. We were asked to look into what accounted for the preeminence of the West all over the world. We studied everything we could from the historical, political, economic, and cultural perspective. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Then, we thought it was because you had the best political system. <laughs> Next, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, we've realized that the heart of your culture is your religion, Christianity. That is why the West has been so powerful. The Christian moral foundation of social and cultural life was what made possible the emergences of capitalism and then the successful transition to democratic politics. We don't have any doubt about this. A Chinese communist, 20 years studying this, what makes America great. And despite the, un the understanding that it's Christians what makes America Listen, you wouldn't need bigger prisons if we had real Christianity. You, you wouldn't need the police force that you need if you had real church in 2021. You wouldn't need all of the psych wards, and you wouldn't need all of the medications, and you wouldn't need all of the things that are have, we have in our society if we still had a real church and, and real Christian values and real Christian virtues. And so we understand that despite all this, there was still persecution. In the church at Smyrna, Jesus is speaking to the angel. He's speaking to the pastor 
of the church in Smyrna. And this is for the pastor to read to his congregation. It's for all churches to be read to. And that's why we're studying it this next few weeks because we are to take instruction from this. These things saith the first and the last. Oh, I can almost get going again on Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. Jesus is making it very clear to this church in Smyrna, it's me. It's, it's all, I'm, I'm everything you need, and I, which was dead and is alive. This is one of two churches that Jesus did not have a rebuke for. This is one of two churches where everything Jesus said to them was positive. And the Lord is encouraging them, and he's identifying with them. He's telling them that, that though they may be dead to self, they live. Can I tell you, you cannot live for Jesus Christ successfully as long as you keep flesh alive. You have to crucify your flesh. Now, what does that mean? I, I want to I break it down because sometimes you come down to a, a uh, uh, apostolic church and we start talking about altars and blood and, and um crucifying you're like don't i'm gonna leave i don't 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 sign me up for this what's this mean we use this symbology of the old testament with the altar the altar was a literal place and they would take they an animal and they would take a a sheep as a sin offering and they would lead that sheep and that lamb and they would take it and the priest would inspect it to make sure it was a good enough sacrifice and then the person that was bringing the sin offering would take their hand put it on the head of that animal and take a sharp knife and cut its throat. And they would begin to sacrifice this animal, the blood of this animal. Now, it's important to understand they had to take care of themselves. You have to take care of your own sin problem. I can't take care of your sin problem. You can't confess your sins to me, and I can't. it doesn't matter. I can't do anything about it. Only Jesus Christ can wash away your sin. And so the person would put their hand on that, that lamb and admit that I'm the one that's a sinner. I'm the one that needs to stand in a redemptor, a redeemer. I need someone to atone for my sins. And they would go and they would take this animal and they would tie it to an altar, a brazen altar, and they would begin to continue. And so we talk about altar. Now, I don't know. I, I, I've not participated, but I, I've seen enough videos of my kids doing it. When you brand a cow, those cows don't walk up and just say, right here, buddy. You know, no, no, no. It's wrestling down. They don't want this. Your flesh doesn't want to die. Your flesh does not want to give up its fleshly appetite. And your flesh doesn't want to give up the things that it's enticed by. But Jesus wants to give you a new nature, but you can't walk in the newness of life if you're holding on to the old man. You cannot serve God and mammon. You're going to love one and, and despise the other. You're going to cling to one and, 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 and leave uh, the other. And so when we talk about an altar, we're talking about a, a place now figuratively. An altar can be uh, this little ledge that I'm thankful Brother Chris put a little bit of ledge here so we at least have a little bit of an altar. We couldn't go too high because then my head would be hitting the ceiling. But we got a little bit of an altar. If we put some chairs up here, that could become an altar. You might have a favorite lazy boy, a recliner at home, that becomes your altar, a place where you get alone with Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for trying to do things my own way. All we, like sheep, have gone astray, and everyone's done their own thing. And the Lord laid on him, on Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us 
all. And in order for me to ex to participate in that, I have to die to my flesh. And that's repentance. And so when we talk about blood being applied, we don't have any vials of blood back here. Um, it's the blood of Jesus. Now, when's that blood applied? It's applied when we repent of our sins. It's applied when we're baptized in Jesus' name. It's applied when we receive the Holy Ghost. That's why you must be repented and baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't have the blood on the door post of your heart and on the top of your heart, the lintel of your heart, then you cannot have the blood applied. And if you don't have blood applied, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. You can't have sins washed away. So we understand that these things are very important. So that's just kind of the vernacular. When we talk about an altar, we talk about repentance, we talk about blood, it's those things that we're speaking of. And Jesus is, is telling them that I, I, I see the things that you've gone through. And, and Smyrna would have poverty, and they'd have tribulation, and they'd have prison, and they'd have martyrdom. They'd have all these things. And, and they were being witnesses, and they were setting up a church in a city that didn't even appreciate them. And so they were still working. And so many people in that city would vehemently to, 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 to leave, and they would, they would shut down, and, and they would despise uh, what, what uh, Smyrna was preaching, what the pastor was preaching. And in so doing, they would find themselves um, being opposed. But there is still a group of people, and there is still a pastor in a city that said, we're not going to reject the word of God. Listen, there's going to be those in our community that are going to vehemently reject the word of God. But thank God there's a number and there's a number of people that want to be faithful to God and that want to stand for truth. And there's going to be a pastor as long as I'm living. And I pray to God if he takes me from this, another pastor would fill this pulpit that would be able to stand and preach the unadulterated, non-compromised word of God. So we have to have not rejecting of the truth of God's word. Now, they had poverty and tribulation. But it was not because God was displeased with them. We get this idea, I'm going through difficult times, so God must not love me. That's not the case. See, to the Jew, they thought, man, if you have a bad day, if your crops don't make it, then God's punishing you. If you, don't, if you, if you get a flat tire in the old chariot, then God's upset at you. That's not the case. It, good things happen. Bad things happen. It rains on the just and the unjust. I got a prayer request today. We need to remember to pray for Bishop Holmes from Little Rock. He was diagnosed with colon cancer. Good man of God. Bad things happen to good people. So we understand that this is not God being upset. Matter of fact, everything he said to them was good. He was pleased with them. But Smyrna derives its name from myrrh. Myrrh is that herb, that aromatic, fragrant substance that's used in the embalming process. But there's something about myrrh. I brought, if I could bring some myrrh in here, I don't know what it looks like. But if I could bring some myrrh in here, you, Jen did have some. I should have brought some. I should have asked. I should have asked you. And I did nothing to it. I said, Tony, here, hold my myrrh. <laughs> you wouldn't even smell it. But if you started to crush that myrrh, become fragrant. Myrrh's not fragrant unless it's crushed. And so Smyrna was a church that was very fragrant. 
but it had to be crushed in order to be fragrant. Sometimes in our life, God might, might select for us to go through some things that seem to crush us, but in reality, he's not crushing us because he doesn't love us. He's crushed us because he wants to make us more fragrant. So verse 9, I know your works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. God sees your works. He sees what you go through. He sees your trials and tribulations. He sees your poverty, but he, he clarifies it. I, I see your poverty, but he tells him, but you're rich. And if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. And if you don't have Jesus Christ, you have nothing. But if you have Jesus Christ and you can be partaker of the power of Jesus Christ and the suffering of Jesus Christ, you have everything. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. As you walk with God, you have to remember God keeps score. And you have to remember that God sees what happens to us. For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I just wanted to read that verse because I want you to know that now is the time of salvation. If you're wondering what a good time to get in the church is, it's now. If you're wondering a good time to get the Holy Ghost, it's now. If you're wondering the right time to give Jesus your life, it's, it's now. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. These are these are unscheduled fastings. This wasn't the pastor of the church calling a, a fast on a Monday prayer. This was a, you are in prison and they're not bringing you food fast. By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, and as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Paul is saying, listen, it does not matter what happens to me in this life. If I have Jesus Christ, I can be the poorest of the poor in these temporal things, but I'm so rich and I can have nothing in my pockets, but yet I can possess all things. Listen, it was it was Peter and John, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The world does not need you to have a $10 bill in your wallet. The world does not need you to be financially well off. The, the world does not need you to be independently wealthy. What the world needs you to be is full of Jesus Christ so you can give Jesus Christ to a lost and hurting world. So you can walk up to them and say, my pockets might be empty and I, I might not have nothing in the bank, but I have something that you need. I, it wouldn't matter how much money Peter had. Put some alms in that man's a cup, he'd still been lame. 
put a gold brick in his cup, he'd still been lame. Put that man on a 21-day juice cleanse, he'd still been lame. But what he said to him was, you can rise up and walk, not by what I have in myself, but what I have that given to me is Jesus Christ. So we have to make sure that we are sharing Jesus Christ. And so Paul's saying, it doesn't matter the difficulty I go through. And you have to understand, true colors come out when you're in the fire. It's the hot water that takes the tea out of the tea bag. If I was walking here, ladies, if you're walking around with your dainty little plastic teacups, <laughs> y'all got to start collecting some bone china, I guess. I'm like, who, who collects bone china? But anyway, get your little dainty little tea glass. And, and uh, JJ, you, you got your little tea glass here. And I come up, and, and it's full to the brim of hot, hot lemon tea. And I bump you. What's going to happen to the tea? It's gonna, what's going to come out? Tea? No water would come out. No, I'm just kidding. Tea would come out. Because what's on the inside of the cup is going to come out when it's bumped. So someone comes up to you and, and uh, does something to you that, that offends you. What's in you comes out. What's in you comes out. And so it's the trials of life. It's the refiner's fire when the heat gets put up a little bit that begins to reveal these things in us. And there were those that would go around to all the Christians in Smyrna. Maybe they stood outside the church and held up signs and recant God and stop preaching the oneness of God and stop preaching Jesus' name. Listen, we're still a first century church here. There was no other way to baptize in the first century church. They all baptized in Jesus' name. There was no infant baptism. There was no sprinkling. There were no titles. It was all in Jesus' name. So we're still in a time now. There are false prophets. You're going to find even right now, Jesus is talking about the false prophets that were rising up even in his life that began to rise. And you're going to see them rising up even in Smyrna's era. We're going to talk about them rising up in, in Pergamos next, next church. But, but this is a situation where they were preaching you have to be born again of water and spirit. They were preaching, you must be baptized in Jesus' name. That means dunked under water. Plug your nose and every bit of you goes under in Jesus' name. They were preaching that you got to get the Holy Ghost. And how do they know they got the Holy Ghost? You begin to speak in other tongues, the Spirit of God gave the utterance. You, they preached holiness and separation. I'm going to talk to you about a little bit about the first pastor in Smyrna. Not the first pastor, one of the pastors in Smyrna, Polycarp. They preached holiness and they preached separation. Our message that we preach today did not originate with us. It didn't start 100 years ago. It didn't start 150 years ago. It started at the day of Pentecost. We are not reformationists. We are restorationists. We restore what was preached on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Thank God for that. So they would say, hey, listen, stop being so narrow-minded, Smyrna. Smyrnian, you smart Smyrnian. Stop being so, stop being so uh, uh, rigid in what you think and be more tolerant. So some of those people in the church in Smyrna face poverty because people would not go to business. I'm not taking my business there. I'm not buying my cupcakes from him. He's a Christian. 
I'm not buying my donuts from him. He's a Christian. I'm not getting gas at his gas station. He's a Christian. And so they would begin to uh, um, uh, push out and they would begin to uh, get people to, to boycott their business because they were Christians and they were intolerant. And they could be taught if, if they, they could do any perverse thing that they everybody else is doing. But don't say you love Jesus. Don't be kind to your neighbor. Don't be good for society. Oh, but you could, you, could, you could have the most vile and most evil filth in a coliseum, and you could be involved in the most vile and evil things on patio decks and all these things, but, but, don't, but don't, don't say you're a Christian. So they would try to get people to recant. And all the opposition they faced came from Satan. Jesus tells them this. I know these Jews. They're saying they're Jews, and they're saying that they're persecuting you, and they are... Uh, blasphemous and they are from the synagogue of satan satan is behind every bad thing that's happening and despite all of these things jesus reminds them you're rich you're rich in me stay in me there's riches untold you can make heaven your home all of these things so you might not have a lot in this earth but you're storing up treasures in heaven and jesus had already taught that that you can't have a moth Destroy it. You can't have rust corrupt it. You can't have a thief steal it when your treasure is in heaven. Verse 10, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give thee a crown of life. Brother, uh, uh, he passed away now, but uh, Elder Brother Treese, uh, he has a, a Revelation commentary. And he was fluent in Greek and, and I don't know how many other languages. And so his, his translation directly from the Greek and his commentary states, never fear a single thing that you are about to suffer. Whew. That's tough. Never fear a single thing that you are about to suffer. Look, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison in order that you may be tested and you'll have tribulation for 10 days. Continue to be faithful unto death and I'll give you the crown of life. John the Baptist, don't get offended in me. They're gonna come and take your head. Don't get offended in me. Smyrna, the devil's gonna take some of you. He's gonna put you in prison and you're gonna face trial and tribulation you're going to face all these things. You stay faithful even unto death, and I'm going to give you a crown of everlasting eternal life. Now, you got to be faithful on the path and on the course that God establishes for you. That's why when you run this race, I look at these little aisles, these little carpet squares. If this is my lane, you know, we got to stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane. We got guys who, who make viruses and computers giving health advice. I mean, stay in your lane, bro. And, and you sit here. If this is my lane and I'm sitting here and I see this lane and they're up here, 
I'm going to start thinking, I'm not doing good enough. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making it. I'm, I must be feeling God. And this person behind here is way back here. I'm like, oh, I'm better than he is. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not about you. It's not about your neighbor's race. It's about your race. And you get the race. You keep your eyes on the prize. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And you run this race. You run the race that God has given you. And you've got to make sure that you don't become bitter looking at the path somebody else is on. And you've got to be finishing your race and you got to keep your hands on the plow that God put you at and, and you got to let him help you carry your burden and you can't get upset at God either. The Lord's telling the church the devil's going to cast some of you in prison and I'm going to let it happen. Some of you are going to go to the doctor and you're going to get a bad report and I'm going to let it happen. Some of you are going to go bankrupt, and I'm going to let it happen. Some of you are going to go through great trials, and I'm going to let it happen. What in the world? God, what do you mean you're going to let this happen? Because God has a bigger picture than we have. He knows all things, and he does all things well. That's why my faith must reside in him and him only because if it did not reside in him i would become embittered toward god when bad things happen to me in my life and i say god why did you let this happen to me you could have stopped that god why did you allow me to go through that hurt you could have stopped that god why did you allow those wounds to be put in my heart you could have stopped that <laughs> yeah he could have and he's telling Smyrna, right now, all you guys, you're, you're Smyrnaites right now, okay? Jesus is telling you, some of you, the devil's going to put you into prison. I'm going to let it, and you're going to die. And you're sitting here thinking, what about him? What about him? What about him? True Christian brotherly love begins to say, if it's me, it's me. If it's not me, it's not me. I'm not looking at him. I'm not envious of him. I'm not coveting him. I'm not, I'm not greedy of him. I'm not mad at him. I don't have all my heart against him. That's true brotherly love. And Smyrna had to have that. You don't think they had to have that? You don't think they had to have that when two brothers in the church... Listen, these, I told Jenny, it just really hit me. It seems so far removed when you hear about this, and it's, it's like, it's so old, and it's like, like, like 80 AD, all right, and we're in 2021. These were our brothers and sisters in Christ. These were believers just like us, and hopes and dreams just like us, and, and, and so one and two or three of them would be sitting there at the mall and they'd be, be shopping at Shields and, and one is the one that gets chosen. You're coming to me, come to prison. You can't have ought in your heart against a brother or sister. You've got to have forgiveness in your heart. You've got to love Jesus. You've got to have Jesus in your guts if you're going to get through something like this. Listen, patty cake living for Jesus didn't work then and it won't work now. If you're going to sit here and think, well, I'm just going to just just put my tiptoe in the water and I'm going to get in kind of slow because it's kind of chilly. I don't know if I'm very comfortable. That's not going to work. And plug your nose. Just dive in the deep end. The church is here. We'll help you up. We'll help you up. We'll hold you up. We'll keep your head above water. 
there, there's some CPR trained people here. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure you're okay. But just get in the water. Get in the truth of God's word. And don't sit there and say, I just don't know. I just don't know. And I'm just going just gonna to live for Jesus a little bit. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul will keep. Those kind of prayers will not impact your life. Those kind of prayers won't get you when they come knocking on your door. Come with me to prison. And you're knowing the devil is the one that's behind it all. And you know God's not going to bail you out of it. you got to love Jesus best of all. <laughs> so Smyrna didn't have the same problems that Ephesus had. They didn't have the loss of the first love. Smyrna didn't have the problems that Pergamus had where they had corruption from the inside and false doctrine begin on the inside. Listen, if you lived in Smyrna, you either really loved Jesus or you didn't. Because if you love Jesus, chances are really, really good you're going to die for Jesus. If you were a pastor in Smyrna, your life expectancy wasn't too great. So there weren't people in here just playing church in Smyrna. When they got together in church and they met together, they gathered together. Matter of fact, Ignatius, one of the early leaders, was so bent on, you, I'll read his quotes later, but you got to get into the house of God. you got to get to church. I'll tell you what, they got to the house of God. Now, understand, I, I, I'm so thankful. Brother Trent, he logged in. He's working. I'm praying for you, Brother Trent. Everything goes smoothly, goes, goes, goes easy for you. I appreciate him logging in and being in service. I appreciate I don't know how many else is on Zoom. I just saw him before I came up. Maybe there's more, maybe there's less. Maybe you're still on. If you're not, still love you. Your wife's here, so she'll tell you that we love you. But he's saying, you got to get into a place where God's people meet so that you can find the strength and, and the support that you need to make it in this time. And so Smyrna had, had, was, was, a, was a tough place to be a Christian. And their pastor was Polycarpin. He was martyred around the age of 104. And he was admired by those that he led. And even those that were sent to take this little old man to be killed said, man, listen, would you just swear and I'll set you at liberty, reproach Christ. The guards, they say, talked to him the entire time he was on the way to the proconsul. Say, man, just come on, Polycarp, just, just do what they tell you to do. You don't have to die this death. Just come on, just, just give in, man. Just, just don't go through the suffering. Don't go through the pain. He says, 80 and six years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Take me. What are you going to do with me? 86 years, God's been good. You know why I won't allow compromise in this church? Because I, I, I want backsliders. 21 years later, come back and say, that's a message I recognize. I, I, I want a message that took Elder Star from this side to the other side to be in my children and my grandchildren's life if the Lord tarries. I, I, I want it to be, listen, this is what Polycarp preaching. This is what John preaching. This is what Peter preaching. This is what Paul preached. This is what I want to preach. I want the message to remain unadulterated. I don't want it to be compromised. I want it to be true because it's that salvation message that allows a man to simply say, 86 years, God's been good to me. God's been better than me than anybody else I know. There were those that would convert their guards to a salvation message 
because on the way there, they said actually one of the greatest things about Smyrna that turned people to Christianity despite how hard it was is the heathen and the pagans saw how the Christians responded to adversity. Now, I'm asking God for a different growth plan strategy. I'm just asking for something a little smoother than that. But Smyrna grew because of the persecution they went through. So the Jews from that synagogue of Satan that Jesus referred to had gathered the wood that had been bundled up at the feet of Polycarp when he was burned to death and martyred. Now, it says you're going to have tribulation 10 days. There's a lot of uncertainty what that means exactly. Uh, Some have identified that from uh, Nero through Diocletian, there was 10 emperors uh, in in this era. Uh, some have shown that from the Di- Diocletian was the 10th emperor, very, very, very wicked, worse than Nero. He was the worst emperor of all. And between his reign and the reign of Constantine was a 10-year period, and so that thought that it could be that. But what Jesus is trying to tell them is it's not going to last forever. Hang in there. When you think you can't hang in there anymore, just tie a knot at the end of the rope and just hang on a little tighter. When you've done all the stand, just stand. And so that is important. Now, it's interesting because after Diocletian with Constantine, you start to see that there was an embracing of the Christians in, in Asia. The problem with that, you think, that's great. The world's accepting Christianity. Martyrs, the devil brings in, says, I'll kill them all. I'll kill them. But what happens when he persecuted the church? It grew. So the devil's like, like the screw tape letters by C.S. Lewis. Let me go back. Let me go back to the drawing board. How about this? We'll introduce false teaching subtly. And you're going to start to see in the Pergamus church subtle changes in doctrine that start with Constantine that have permeated even till now the churches in America and throughout the world. And it has caused more to be lost. It has caused more to be destroyed. It has caused more devastation and all the martyrs combined. Now, listen, we have more martyrdom now in the world than we did back in the early church. China, underground church in China, some Islamic countries, there is more of this now than there was even in the, in the early church. But Jesus tells them, I'm going to give you a crown of life. Smyrna held the Olympics. If you were an Olympic athlete and you won and you were the victor, they put you up on the podium and they put a wreath on your head. That wreath would be wilted and dead in a few hours. And Jesus is telling them, listen, don't even be concerned with the wreath on their head. I'm going to give you a crown of life. It's going to be forever. Ignatius, the bishop of Antioch, was a disciple of John, who was appointed by Peter to be the bishop of Antioch. And he was pleading with the churches, even at this time, that were allowing heresies to keep come in. And he said, I entreat you, not to nourish yourselves on anything but Christian fare and have no truck with the alien herbs of heresy. He was saying that you need to reject those that claim to be Christian but don't believe Christian. You need to shun those that claim to be Christian but adhere to false teaching. He said you've got to keep away from these men as you would from a pack of savage animals. There are rabid curs who snap at people unawares, and you need to be on guard against their bites because they are by no means easy to heal. Ignatius would say, when you meet frequently, the powers of Satan are confounded. 
and in the face of your corporate faith, his malfeasance crumbles. He said, anyone who absents himself from the congregation convicts himself at once of arrogance and becomes self-excommunicate. So here, this pastor, the church in Antioch, is saying, man, you got to get to church and you got to get to the house of God and you got to get to a place where you can be strengthened. And he stood by what he believed and Ignatius was torn apart by lions. Now here's his last words. For my part, I am writing to all the churches and assuring them that I am truly in earnest about dying for God. If only you yourself put no obstacle in my way, I must implore you to do me no such untimely kindness. Pray, leave me to be a meal for the beasts, for it is they who can provide my way to God. I am as wheat ground fine by the lion's teeth to be made purest bread for Christ. Better still, incite the creatures to become a sepulcher for me. Let them not leave the smallest scrap of my flesh so that I need not be a burden to anyone after I fall asleep. Where there is no trace of my body, left for the world to see, then I shall truly be Jesus Christ's disciple. So intercede with him for me, that by their instrumentality I may be made a sacrifice to God. How I look forward to the real lions that have been got ready for me. All I pray is that I may find them swift. I'm going to make overtures to them, so that unlike some of the other wretches whom they have been too spiritless to touch, they may devour me with all speed. Fire, cross, Beast fighting, hacking, quartering, splintering of bone and mangling of limb, even the pulverizing of my entire body. Let every horde and diabolical torment come upon me, provided only that I can win my way to Christ. I got to go to church on Sunday and Tuesday. Once a month, church prayer meeting. I don't know if I can be there. Listen, church, love you. want you to know this is going to be my last Sunday preaching. I'm on the schedule for Tuesday. I won't be here Tuesday. They got me scheduled to be eaten by lions. Don't do nothing nice to help me out. Please don't try to intervene. I look forward to getting eaten by the lions. Matter of fact, when I get to the lions, I'm going to egg them on a little bit, make them real mad, real wild up, and make them sure they're real nice and hungry so they just go ahead and devour me. Because I don't want you guys to have to worry about my little bits and pieces. Make sure they just eat me all up. I don't know if I can go to church today. My tummy hurts. Man, I, I, that lawn's not going to take care of itself. I've been waiting for this tea time for a long time. Stephen was the first martyr. James, the brother of John, was the second martyr in 44 A.D., 10 years after Stephen was stoned to death. He was beheaded by Herod Agrippa. Matthew was beheaded in A.D. 60 with a halberd. That's an axe with a sharp pick that extends through it. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross in Greece or in Turkey. Philip, Bartholomew, and Miriam, his, Philip's sister, were scourged and crucified. They came up to Bartholomew and to Philip and to Philip's sister, they took his sister down. They took Bartholomew down. They come to Philip, the evangelist, and said, don't take me down. I'm going to die for Jesus. 
James, the brother of Jesus, James the just, leader of the church in Jerusalem, A.D. 62, he was brought before the Sanhedrin and stoned. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. Timothy, in A.D. 93, at the age of 80, was beat with clubs and stoned. Clement, who you read about in Philippians chapter 4, was thrown into the sea with an anchor around his neck. Ignatius, we just discussed, was fed to lions. And all of them loved not their own life, even unto the death. We love the scripture. They overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I fall prey to this. I, I stop there. We love the blood of the lamb. We love talking about Jesus Christ. And, and, we, and we love good testimonies. and We love good stories. But Jesus didn't stop at that. He said, and they loved not their life even unto the death. Do I love this life more than I love Jesus? Do I love this life more than I look toward to heaven? Jesus says, he that hath an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit saith. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. The second death is when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire. The second death is when you miss the first resurrection. As the musicians come, we're going to sing a song at the end, and you can stand to your feet, and we're going to, we're going to prepare to wrap up here. The second death occurs for those that miss the first resurrection. Trump of God's going to sound. They which are dead, graves are going to open up. And then we which are alive and remain be called together to meet him in the air. That's the first resurrection. You miss the first resurrection if you're not born again of water and born again of spirit. But if you're born again of water and born again of spirit, you don't have to worry about the second death. So you got to stay in the church and you got to stay faithful unto the end. And you can be hated by all men for the sake of Jesus, but he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I want to make sure I endure to the end. I, I, I thank God that we live in a space right now where I'm not worried about holding up the word of God and having anybody come in here and confiscate it from me. But we have brothers and sisters in China. Underground church, I was just listening. Was it, was it China? Yes, it was China. Brother Booker said, Hundreds of thousands. Baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the Holy Ghost. He personally knows a pastor who's baptized thousands of Chinese nationalists as they saw their need and they don't get to meet in church. They, they meet in a restaurant. A missionary will go in with a trench coat. He'll sit at the cafe table order a coffee he'll sit there and bring him his coffee or his tea or whatever he's drinking and he'll eat something and they'll bring it out 
And the owner of the shop sees people gathering, and he knows who's with them and who's against them, and everybody just eats. And after a period of time, those that are spies will leave. The shop owner will know it's time to put the clothes sign, he'll close the blinds, and a handful of them will whisper, and they'll sing songs under their breath. And they'll just talk about the goodness of God. And they'll take pages of a Bible. And they'll take out a page and give you a page. Give you a page. Give you a page. Give you a page. And that you can take that home and you hide it. You don't want it to get confiscated. You'll die. And you'll take that home and you'll get that one page. We can't find 15 minutes to do our bread. They'll get one page. They'll try to get that. They'll get videos underground. They'll deliver Bibles to these people. I'm talking like the Bibles that we give away, they're they're 10 times nicer than what they're getting. They're getting these little paperback dollar store Bibles. They're wrapped in plastic. Can you watch these people get the Bibles? Start weeping and jumping and dancing and shouting for a Bible. Hundreds of thousands of people saved, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. The Lord's adding to the church daily such as should be saved. We are privileged to live right now. But we got to make up our mind that no matter what happens to us, I'm going to live for Jesus. What are you going to do? If with the stroke of a pen, an executive order comes down and says you cannot any longer claim to be a Christian. What are you going to do if they come up and say you're no longer to maintain a Bible in your possession? So that would be contraband. That would be hate speech. Take your Bibles into a burning. Recant your love for Jesus Christ. Or meet your demise. What are you going to do? tell you I pray that doesn't happen but if it does I want my love for Jesus to burn so hot I could be like Polycarp and say well can't say 86 years but for 42 years he's been good to me and he's never done me wrong he's only done me right he gave his everything for me so go ahead and take me She's going to get me to heaven sooner. I want us to sing that song. I give myself away. And if you feel so inclined to, to leave your pew, these altars will be open. If you feel so inclined to stay in your pew, just lift up your hands. We're going to just sing this song as we prepare to leave tonight. I give myself away.